Today we are on fireside chat number 56, tech layoffs. What's the resolution? Right? This is the, the topic for today. For those of you that don't know us, um, I'm here together with Sandro and, and Matt, co-founders of Experience and a managing director. And this is basically an extension of what used to be um, chats that we have after hours, <laughs> after work, uh, usually with a drink. Uh, that at some point we decided, okay, well, so some of this stuff is interesting. Maybe other people want, would like to um, be involved in the discussion. So if you have questions while we are exploring this topic and so on, uh, don't hesitate to shoot them in the uh, in the chat, either in YouTube, LinkedIn, whatever you are. Uh, if again, if you like what you're seeing, like, subscribe, hit the notification icon, and without further ado. Uh, today's topic and today's topic is triggered by something quite I would say unusual that happened uh, recently so of course we get offered uh, services for hiring and recruiting people no? and this is or subcontracting some some consultancies come to us and say hey you know would you like to partner we have this type of developer whatever but uh, the other day I got a call from a recruitment agency that had been tasked with placing people that were about to be laid off. So a company in Spain was getting rid of a hundred and something developers and they were basically trying to find a new home for these people. No, or new homes for these people. Um, and I thought that was quite interesting. First, because it wasn't the, you know, it was the first time that I've seen this, right? Uh, that, you know, people without being fired, they were already being, Kind of place or trying to to figure out which i think it's it's a very humane thing to do you know if you're a company very uh conscious no of, of you as a company um but also because the, this whole thing in the news about you know amazon laying off people microsoft laying off people, like everyone basically seems to be firing uh people now because of the recession uh seems like it's finally getting to europe and to spain in particular so you know Let's open up the topic. What is happening? Why are there? Why do we think there are so many layoffs happening, and uh, and what's what's this all about? You can go first, Mesh. <laughs> um, I, well, I think one one is that um, the layoffs are. I mean, there, there are a bunch of reasons for it. I think uh, one reason is that. During the pandemic, the tech sector actually took off rather than slow down uh, massively, especially uh, things like Zoom and Twitter and all these things, they, and remote working and all. And, and they, there was a massive hiring spree in the tech sector. So that's one thing. Uh, the other thing I would say is, is that I know that companies go through certain cycles and when the big ones go through these cycles, they tend to follow each other because if Google's doing it and Twitter is doing it and Microsoft doing it, and then I guess, you know, the shareholders or owners start asking, why aren't you doing it? You know, it's some, sometimes it's almost like, uh, you know, everyone, they're following a pattern within the industry to make sure that they are on, on that side. There is, of course, rationalization. After every peak, there is a, after every high, there's a low, 
So the part of it is that as well. Um, the other thing I would like to frame that is the tech layoffs don't necessarily mean software developers or software development professionals like you know product owners and people involved in kind of what we do. I think it they, it covers a wide variety of um, professions and roles. They just happen to be. In yeah, I don't, the, the 10,000 that Amazon laid off, they're all developers. That's not, that's probably not the case. That's right? like most likely some tech people in there, but you know, Amazon has lots of uh, uh, fulfillment centers everywhere, right? So, yeah, yeah, I think that in, in Amazon's case, again, I don't have all the, the, the stats, but like if I'm not wrong, in Amazon's case, there were a lot of people from Amazon that they were more from the stores that they have and warehouse and, and other things like that. But not necessarily only developers. Like I don't, it, yeah, it was not the vast majority. It's just because it happens to be a tech company. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, yeah, not necessarily technical people. Yeah, and I I think there is another element. It says to do with the pattern. It's like what what are the markets looking for? Something they're looking for growth. It's just the mood of the market, and sometimes they're looking for profitability, and it seems to be the market's mood. Is going more towards profitability, and when that happens, business try businesses try to lean up, you know, and and try to trim the fat, as it were. I know it's a horrible way of saying it, but um, but that's also I think there is a bit for mood. There is a uh, bit for doom and gloom. I, I don't think it's that much warranted. I know that there are certain things that are causing the economies to shrink, but not especially not software development. I think software development is. When I was, I was doing some some reading and I was for for this actually and I was looking at your software development expenditure is looking to increase by I don't know like ten percent or something this year. That is a bit less know. than that from what I I remember like Gartner uh, saying that it's a bit less. Like there is an increase in expenditure, but I think it's like. I don't remember exactly two, three percent. It was a smaller increase, but it's still an increase. It's yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, depends where what you read and how they qualify it, right? Because they were saying software is ten, and then IT services is six in one place, and yeah. But they 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 tend to kind of widely vary. But in as as I said, like no one is saying that it's going to decrease. So that's the other side of things. So yeah, I, I think it's. It's easy to just say, oh, tech sector, all software development type work, but I don't think so. Yeah, yeah so for, for me, like, uh, again, uh, of course, that at this point, uh, I don't think that anyone knows precisely what's the reason. And, and I doubt that there is a single cause. You know, for me, it's a combination of factors. I, I, I believe, that, uh, although I don't like to blame uh, external factors, like external factors for me is the last thing that I'm going to start thinking about. But but there is, uh, we, we come from the, those last three years, they were very complicated. So we went from the whole pandemic thing, like from in a matter of a few weeks, the whole world changed. And then a lot of business models had to adapt. And a lot of IT companies, they thrived. Right, because as soon as there is like a, a big change in the economy, in order to to for companies to keep themselves alive, they need to reinvent themselves. And quite often, like in, in order to do that, they need to change software. They need to to change a lot of things in their IT, let's say, uh, to reinvent themselves. So a lot of new opportunities were created, although some companies died. Uh, 
but a lot of other companies created, as you mentioned, Mesh, like all those video call tools and Miro and, and, and uh, telemedicine, right? So uh, delivery companies. So all, all of that kind of uh, online shopping. So those things, although they existed in there, they were mass, massively uh, accelerated during the pandemic. So a new range of new businesses were created. And a lot of companies were betting on those new new norm, right? So and, and for that, they do what companies do. They, they invest. They say, look, I think that this is an opportunity here. So let's invest. Let's hire some people. Let's put some money. Let's try to create this product and so on and so forth. Uh, the and the pandemic kind of uh didn't exactly go away but we are so in a space of uh three years we are going back to normal a lot of companies are going back to their offices and and, and things like that and then we also had a war so 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 we're still having a war so 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 i think that there are quite significant economical factors that will it's not very easy for you to, to, to create business plans or to create a business strategy when there are so many significant changes in the economy and the, the ways that we even live as a society. So, I mean, so, so there, is, there are, uh, I would not, I think that there are external factors. That, as I said, I don't like to blame external factors normally for how companies do business, but I think that they were significantly enough for us to acknowledge that they had an impact. There is a question from uh, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Uh, my experience with Sweden and UK is that many times big companies such as banks prefer to lay off employees, then rehire them as contractors freelancers to avoid permanent employee benefits. My personal view is that's a for any business that's a very risky strategy, and I'm sure some some do it, but you know, good people will leave. So normally, if, if you have some, some good talent, uh, a lot of that talent will leave if you do something like this, especially, you know, if you, as soon as you start saying layoffs, people start looking. Yeah. And that's a big risk. So, you know, so people who don't, and I'm sure there are businesses that don't value their people and the talent that they have. Uh, it's a very risky thing to do and a bad business in my view. Yeah, and Jennifer, like I, I don't know. As you said, you are relating, uh, you are sharing your experience with us. And one thing I, I, I know because, like, I, we worked for a lot of large companies in the past as permanent employees, and also providing service to them. Most large organizations they will always have like by as part of their growth strategy to keep a percentage of uh, permanent employees, but always work. No, normally they talk about 30%. That is kind of those large banks that, that you are referring to, because we worked for a bank before called Julian Smash and I. And, and they like working with uh, these uh, 30%, around 30% of external people, either contractors or uh, consultancy companies and so on. Because these, although they pay more in theory for those people, but allows them to reduce or to, to reduce cost if something happens. It's almost like a, a way for them to keep some safety in their business when, when something really serious happens. In terms of but what you are reporting is like when they lay off permanent employees and try to re rehire them as uh, uh, contractors or... Uh, I, I, 
I'm not Which sure. By how law, I'm not so sure that that can be. Yeah, by law, at least in Spain, yeah. I'm not so sure that that can be done. In fact, exactly. if you're a contractor, you should have more than one employer. Otherwise, you know, the, the law thinks that basically it's an employee. If you only work for one <laughs> uh, yeah. company, then it's probably a company employee, right? Yeah, that's, that's the. Yeah, so that, that can get the company in trouble. Even in the UK, that will get the company in trouble. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in UK, we have a, a a law as well, like it's called IR thirty five. I don't know if I can call it a law, uh, but but it is a similar thing. You cannot have someone as a contractor if they only work for a single company. Uh, there are so, some ways of getting around it, but uh, but the tax. Uh, person looks at it in a very uh mm-hmm. they take very dim view of it you know if for example the pattern is that someone just left the company and then re- or rehired as a contractor that is tax avoidance and they do, mm-hmm. do take a very dim view of it so mm-hmm. co- businesses that are engaging in that kind of thing could be could fall foul of the uh of hmrc in the uk at least mm-hmm. yeah so yeah, so 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 as I was saying, uh, for example, I, I survived. Well, not survived, <laughs> but I went through, and I think that uh, you as well, Mesh, like uh, quite a few of us that uh, we've been in the industry for quite a while, and we went through the the credit crunch, like two thousand and eight, nine, or ten, around that that time. I was made redundant at that time. Um, so again, like w- when there are those economical uncertainties. A lot of companies will try to uh, reduce the level of investment that they they make, and they will start cutting the things that are not so strategic, right? So they tend to be a bit more conservative in in, in their investments. And a lot of companies, mainly large organizations, they have a lot of irons on the fire, as you say, Mesh, right? So they normally have like they have their core businesses, but they are always trying a lot of different things. They always have different experiments, different product lines, different services that they are trying to invest. And those investments, they they sometimes take a long time to, to, to have a return. And sometimes they never materialize and they will kill them eventually. Uh, but when the, the, the economical situation becomes very uncertain, their appetite to keep investing on, on uh, business lines that are not immediately uh, giving them a, a return uh, it's probably one of the areas that they're gonna cut. I'm gonna but, I'm gonna try to to uh, go in a different direction now with this because yes, there are the macro factors. Yeah, there are certain strategies no, that business use uh, in the sense. Um, I I feel like there is another aspect which is the demand, uh, for, in particular for you know software development. Yeah. Uh, that has played a, a factor in that because the salaries have gone up as well quite a bit for for the industry in general, right? So I think that that has also contributed to to that aspect, you no? Know? Like because there aren't that many uh, people available with the skills, companies are competing uh, in salaries, you no? Know? That tends to drive uh, up the the salaries, but that does not mean that it's sustainable for a business to be paying those salaries, right? So this is also a way to for for companies to self-regulate before they go into you know they default or they don't you know they go into a bigger problem, right? Like um, people say, no, they're doing these layoffs 
and uh, there isn't really a, a problem behind it. No, like the company is still making earnings, or you know, like they're still earning or whatever. Yeah, that is in part because they did the the layoffs, right? So in in a way, it's a bit of a balancing act, no, uh, between the the situation in the market and the sustainability of of the business uh, as well. No, mm -hmm. I, I, what what do you think? Because I may be I think, I think it's a very 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 good point, very good point. Because a lot of times when we talk about layoffs and we talk about I mean, like sinister ploys from the from the company uh, to to get rid of people, and and that is also you know possible. But if you companies are if they're laying off of people, one thing is that you know there there could be politics as well, but primarily it's a as you said it's an exercise in creating a more sustainable business. Right. Often it can be. Right. And if the salaries increase and the cost increase increases with the number of people, it might be that they don't have the same appetite in terms of whatever they want to produce and they might prioritize and they might trim their own ambitions and consequently try to then trim the, the workforce that they have as well. I think it's a very good point. Yeah. There is another aspect that I would talk about as well, which is. You, you mentioned cycles, right? And it's very well known this bringing in internally, no, or internalizing IT and then externalizing IT. That's something that's been going on for a very long time, right? Like, you know, we hire our own IT department, blah, blah, blah. They, they grow massively. And then at some point, oh, no, we, you know, take this out, either put it, you know, like either fire these people or uh, turn it into a separate company and they need to be their own profit center and we don't, you know, they, they just give us a service, right? And and they should do a good job. Otherwise, we're going to find someone else to do the to to do the job for them. No, um, and I think that cycle of going in and and out, no, or or bringing the function in and out is also a, a factor uh, here. No, like and to some extent, you know, when we think about this, if we are in a shrinking, externalized kind of uh, mode, yeah, this is good for consultancies. Because they're basically the ones that are going to be picking up the uh, no the, the the work that is that is left, right? Um, so that is in itself, you know, good, no, uh, for us at least or our type of uh, of work. Um, and I think that's also a, a, a factor in that, no, that cyclical nature of of how things are supposed to go and. Because uh, the do you think the demand has been reduced? So uh, I'm still not sure. Uh, so I'm still not sure because, like, the I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's been reduced, but it may have changed. So in term when when it comes to because there is a difference. For example, the pandemic was a very different effect than an economical crisis, right? In my view, they are very different. The, the pandemic was like companies had to reinvent. So new businesses were created. They had to pivot their businesses. So there was a, a demand in terms of, hey, we need to invest more and we need to be creative in there. And there was that hiring spree. When you look at all the, all the news about the layoffs, the big tech layoff, and we saw everywhere, including our company, like most companies that we know, 
uh, not only in the US, but in the UK and Spain and stuff. As soon as there was a pandemic and, and remote be, became a thing, uh, companies start hiring and say, look, you know what? Now we have access to a worldwide pool, right? So the barriers were really removed and they were reinventing themselves. So there was a lot of investment. An economical crisis brings a different challenge because there is no not a change in lifestyle. There's not a change in how people behave or how they buy or how they sell and stuff. No, there is a constraint. There is more of a constraint. For example, we, we are not locked at our homes now without being able to go to a shop, right? So because so so what, what there is now is people a bit more concerned or more conservative in how they spend their money. But that so, also changes habits. So there, there is a, change a bit, change. But, yeah. but, but it's a smaller change. Of course, it does, but it's a smaller change than... Well, it's less disruptive, you'd say. No, Far it's less. less. But, but what I'm trying to say is that in, in economical crisis, the demand for the... For, I don't think that the demand necessarily reduces, but the type of demand change. For example, I know a lot of companies now that are talking about initiatives to cut costs to uh, uh, accelerate their automation of processes. So a lot of initiatives that they never had the time to do, for example, in the past, now they accelerate and say, you know what, there is an economical crisis. Why don't we try to optimize that? Let's start opening more and more initiatives to reduce cost, to optimize the process and stuff like that. So that doesn't necessarily remove work from developers or people in platform engineering and stuff. Uh, but they are trying to become leaner as companies. You know, one thing I would say is that when we talk about economic crisis, this is a different one because this is a crisis in terms of cost of living, right? Uh, tech sector jobs, especially software development jobs, have always been, been the high, one of the highest paying jobs. And although a lot of people are asking for, you know, kind of to go... To, for their jobs to rise with inflation. I think other jobs are rising more than the tech sector jobs to some extent. Tech sector jobs are also rising, but in terms of percentage, probably not the same level because I think tech sector people don't feel the pinch as as bad as a lot of other. Mm. And so there, there, is, there is an element of that as well, that the, the jobs are... So the economic crisis that we talk about, I think it's important to say that it's not an economic crisis in terms of unemployment let's say right because like unemployment for example has been has been the in the uk it's been one of we are currently going through some of the lowest unemployment rates you know i think there's the same in the us i don't have the date in front of me but what i remember seeing when reading some of the the layoffs i think that is the same for the us as well they, they have a, a lower unemployment rate yeah yeah so so yeah so unemployment is going uh, uh, is is fairly low so so it's a different kind of economic crisis as well that that you know we are talking about jobs and job layoffs and so on but the unemployment is fairly low and then so so it, I I'm not sure if 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 there is a I I think there is a some tech sectors are leaning up but I'm not sure how much of this is hype and how much of this is reality i mean you know even if you talk about 20000 jobs at google or microsoft across the world right 
you know, it's it's still very small fry compared to the full kind of employment market of the world or, or different countries. Right? Yeah, it's, it is. It's a very um, small fraction, I would say. And even percentage-wise, it's also quite small for them as well. Yeah. Right? So yeah. when you look at... Uh, the, the, but there are... But I, I still believe, for example, I, I, I feel even like last year, we were talking about that, uh, that there, there was some sort of a bubble as well in the tech industry. Uh, and that was triggered by the, the, all the remote work and stuff because like the, the remote work, they started being calibrated according to the, 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 the large cities. Right, so so for example, a lot of people were being hired as remote uh, first, but their salaries, uh, if they were hired as remote first before the pandemic, the difference between someone going to the office five days a week would be much larger. With the pandemic, what happened is the remote work, the salaries moved up closer to the ones working in the cities. Right? And regional differences as well. I mean, we we saw that, like you know, we have an office in Manchester and and London. There was a much bigger difference. Difference now, it's almost negligible. Yeah, right exactly. in terms of salaries for for the kind of hybrid contract. And this is not sustainable. So, for example, we were discussing that already last year, even before all those layoffs. That there would be at some point there would be like almost like a bubble bursting uh, kind of effect because like there was at some point you cannot hire like the 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 the, the ratio that the salaries increased for IT professionals. They were way different from most of the other ones in terms of percentage. Mainly for people, for example, platform engineers. There were a lot of a lot of appealing, for example, a lot of companies investing in new technologies, mainly in the cloud and stuff. Those salaries skyrocketed in the past few years, right? So, and then it reached a point that as companies start hiring, 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 because they have ideas, they want to invest in new businesses, new opportunities, and stuff. And when they don't materialize, now they have a very expensive workforce for business initiatives that are not bringing that result and are being push with all these economical uh, external factors and they will need to do something about it, right? So so, so I think that there is a, a combination of those factors. Uh, let, let me add another one in there because there, there is an aspect of companies not being able to tell whether someone is, because uh, we talked about the salaries, right? The salaries going up and, you know, if you're really good at your job, you know, you should be rewarded for that, no? Uh, but what happened uh, as well was there were lots of uh, initiatives to try to provide, uh, supply that demand, yeah, mm. with all the boot camps and, you know, the quick kind of ways to get people on the job market. And, of course, the, the quality of someone that comes out of a boot camp compared to someone who's studied maybe for five years or whatever, right? It's, it's, or, or maybe has more years of experience or whatever is very different, right? However, the expectations on the salaries were more or less the, the same. Like uh, I yeah. remember interviewing people yeah. who just kept, you know, they're being developing maybe for six months, no, and uh, they're expecting to, get you know 30 uh, here in spain right but 35k salary yeah which would normally be a good salary before all of this started uh, uh happening no so so that kind of thing i think is there's also been a readjustment no 
of uh, going back to the you know we can't really afford it because if you if there's no one yeah and you're competing in Sally then you you pay a lot but you're not very certain of the quality that you're getting and by the way this you know you can do your uh, hiring process and all this stuff but in the end there's only so much that you can try there, especially if there's a lot of competition. You you have a pressure to make it as tight and uh, tight and uh, concrete as possible. No, like if I can hire you one interview, that will be better than if I do five, you know, or whatever. And and all of that comes with a price as well. No, so some people may come in that don't necessarily um, have the skills, but you're still, you know paying good salaries, et cetera, et cetera. So again, there is a lot in there that happened during that rapid growth, no, that I think is now self kind of regulating. Uh, I, I agree with, uh, of course, that this take us like, in which I probably not a good idea to go there, but there are uh, different political philosophies or economical philosophies that, that is the market will regulate itself. And, and it will sometimes go in, becomes more, for example, we were in a developer's market and that goes up to a point that no one can afford anyone, like cannot afford to hire so many developers anymore. And then people start saying, look, this is not working. Let's let's reduce our capacity and just, just try to automate more and more processes or become leaner or not invest in new initiatives, just stick to our core business. And then all of a sudden you have more people available and that regulates it itself again because then it becomes like an employer's market and not an employee uh market so and, and that tends I to think, i think there will be a long time indeed before the software development market becomes an employer's market hmm. some level because the True. software development is still has and i'm again i'm not talking about just programmers and so on i'm talking about professionals within that whole sector they it, the opportunities are constantly increasing because, you know, we have more and more businesses are still, there is still a lot of pent up demand for this kind of work, right? And I, at, I think at some point it will fly, probably flatline. I'm not sure if it's, if we are there yet. I wouldn't say that it would flip. Maybe like I was just trying to make a point, but like, but it, but it will probably not be so. The discrepancy might not be so strong as it was. I see. Yeah, yeah. It would be. Yeah, it would come. It's. It's definitely kind of cooling off. Yeah. On some level, right? But I don't know. Who knows? There might and, be another. Some other companies. Companies are also learning to discern better what what it is that they're looking for and so on. And you know, I've seen this. Of course, it's anecdotal, no. But uh, lots of people, who, for instance. Came out of boot camps, and now the the storytelling now is it's hard to find a job after you you do this, right? Because companies are not so willing to take in more people without experience or or whatever. So so there are certain changes in behavior also in companies and how they decide to uh, invest, no, in in that workforce uh, that are happening as well, no. And you have I don't know. Uh, here in Spain, Boxer Group, Sara, you know, there's, there's a bunch of companies that are already creating their own academy programs or their own excellence center or whatever. No, they're, they're or their scholarships in, in some cases, no, kind of like, hey, I'll, you know, I'll just 
pay you pay for your training for X amount of time. And then uh, so this approach uh, may be also a response to to that. No, instead of just continuing to hire at the same uh, at the same rate. Or... And, yeah. And there is more as well. For example, one thing that we are seeing uh, more and more, um, I don't know how it is in Spain, Jose, it would be good to, to get your perspective. Uh, but for example, in, in UK, more and more we are coming across companies that are working in their office a few days a week. And we are going back to some demands from clients. For example, we already have a client in the UK that they want uh, their people and include our people uh, to be in their office three times a week. My wife goes to, to, to the office twice a week. I just spoke to, to a company today and they would have a, a very big preference. They made it quite clear that they would have a preference to have people that are in the same city where they are. Like in this case, I was in Manchester uh, earlier today for, for a meeting and that client said, look, I would love to have your, uh, your people uh, collocated with us and we come to the office twice a week. So if we have some people in the UK, it will be good as well. So they, they because London and, and Manchester is just a two and a half hour train, train drive. So that will not be a big deal. Uh, but for example, so, so that, that thing about being collocated, a lot of companies are going back to say, look, we are missing that now after three years. We know how more productive we were, how that sense of identity. So, so this will probably also rebalance a bit the the job market mm -hmm. there, there is actually a very uh, interesting comment from jennifer i think part of the solution is for the senior management to try to balance the organic growth of the company i look at steady growth but not committing to too many new customers too fast as it could be project specific and once the projects are over the over the clients don't don't want to renew the contracts uh, I, I when i was reading something i think there was a TikTok video or something and this person said Layoffs are always the management's fault, and yeah, <laughs> I, I would I would agree that uh, you know, and it's not that we, like we've not made certain those kind of mistakes ourselves as well, but but you know, overextending uh, and then kind of trying to and realizing that you over overextended and then trying to lay off. Lay, laying off people is always a very traumatic experience for any yeah. business. You know, it's, yeah. it's not something that you do lightly. Uh, I don't know what business would, but I mean, we are we are run a business and we don't think that like this would be the last option because it creates trauma in the organization. Uh, and, and actually as a consequent the people that you definitely don't want to leave end up leaving as well. So, exactly. so, the, so they are a very traumatic thing. The other thing is the organic growth uh, and how quickly you grow. I think that thing is very easy to say and very difficult to do because in hindsight, it's very easy to look at it and say, oh, you, sh you, you shouldn't have overextended. Of course, it's easy to look at at which point you overextended. But every business, as they try to grow, and growth is is an aspect of the business, right? Growth creates stability. It's, there's a, there's many reasons. A lot of the times when people talk, uh, you know, stay small, stay sustainable. I I know certain kind of businesses can do that, but sustainability, the way our economic markets are set up, is that the GDP as as measured by percentage increase. When you are flatlined, 
you are uh, you are almost in recession you are at the tip of the recession so so this kind of standing in place or go, being where you are and being sustainable from a business perspective actually is very rare that that's the case when you're standing still so businesses do need to grow uh, what happens usually is that getting gauging that growth is not easy because actually what can happen is that if you're not meeting the de uh, demand you can shrink because markets start understanding that you are unable to meet demand and you can start shrinking as well so it's actually it's very easy to say from a like a hindsight perspective how grow organically i personally think no business would would say to you oh we grew really fast we shouldn't have because of greed or whatever else i think a lot of the times businesses are looking at demand and they think actually it's sustainable for for us to grow uh, uh, there is of course risks involved with the growth and sometimes they don't pay off but um but i think it's it's a very it a, difficult difficult thing to gauge in terms of how far stretched you 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 are uh, at any point but but there is another point that she's making in in her comment that uh, is related to uh, companies that hire people for specific jobs and then for whatever reason that client doesn't continue or whatever no and then there is no demand whatsoever no and and this is kind of important because especially for consultancies no and we always say this we, we don't hire people for a particular project we hire mm -hmm. good people that we want to work with no exactly. and and then you know the projects will come after that no mm -hmm. um but but this idea of oh we have this project let's hire someone to do this particular job it is a dangerous uh oh, yeah. proposition right like yeah. especially when you when your business is the you know when when your business is the body shopping kind of business right and you have no regards for people no and then it's okay the, the project didn't continue i cannot place this person you know mm -hmm. you can lay them off no yeah. and, But that's again so that, a, a that pretty is a, a, inhumane. A, it's very mm, transactional and and it, it's you know, make make may financial sense, no? Uh, but it's not definitely not very humane in that it, sense. It only it only makes financial sense. And yes, a lot of companies get big doing that. And I, uh, sorry, one thing I do mean to say is like I have a context in mind, which is our context, right? Yeah, we do, we are not. Uh, growing for the for like we're not in the margins game you know the, this kind of thing where body shopping and and hiring people for projects and this kind of thing this is a margins game where you you're competing on price and you're going as low like low as possible so you're reducing trying to reduce your costs as much as possible and also so that you can reduce your uh, rate as much as possible so you're kind of going low right you're competing on price and price alone right and there are businesses that that do that but that's a you know in a way one can say is a false economy but there are certain businesses who manage to do that pretty pretty well so but that's not what we we are for example we are we are not competing on that we are competing on the quality of our work and in order to do that you have to invest in the people you have to hire the people for their skill and not because they fit that project you know because that that's just would not work. Yeah, I think that that uh, 
prism. There is a lot of interesting things that Jennifer is mentioning in her comments. Uh, Jennifer, thank you very much, actually, uh, for, for sharing your experience and also putting your uh, uh, opinions in there, because it, it really helps us to, to shape this conversation. And uh, so, so for example, Jennifer was saying that, uh, so so it's, it's better to have slower growth, keeping the employers, uh, employees and clients happy rather than having a quick win with a couple of projects with the new clients and hiring new employees. So so this is true. Um, but this is this is what Mesh was saying. So one thing that is important for for people to understand, for some, I, I'm, I never had a business. This is Codunus is my first business. Right. So, for example, one thing that I never understood is uh you, you cannot have a business that just keeps straight, going on a straight line. The market will always have a force to make your business reduce. So, for example, employees, at some point, they will find other opportunities or they want to do other things or they, they, they had a change of heart or they want to move to another country. So, for example, you will always lose some people for different reasons. Clients, the same thing. Right, so so they work with other companies until it's uh, in, interesting and, for them. And also, you don't know when that's going to happen. Exactly. Right? Sometimes you can tell, but but exactly. uh, sometimes, so sometimes you, you can. Someone just and, and, shows up and says, you know, hey, exactly. Is, you know, I give you so, notice, whatever. This is very important to 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 for for people that don't own a business uh, to understand is that sometimes you wake up in the morning and then there is a resignation in, in your inbox or you go to a, a normal regular meeting with your client that you do every two weeks and all of a sudden they give you notice because something happened in their organization, right? So so all of a sudden so you as a business owner or someone that manages a business. Uh, you cannot be complacent. So because the forces will always push your business down. If you do nothing, your business will collapse, right? So that's always, so you, we always need to be making a force for your business to grow, to keep it at, at least at the same level, right? So so the, 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 the interesting thing is to calibrate that because if you keep your business too small, it's one or two people that leave your business or one or two clients that, for whatever reason, decide not to work with you, and that might or might not be your fault, your business can crash. And then everyone in that business will be gone, right? So, so as Mesh was saying, so growing your business and creating multiple opportunities and reducing the key dependency on employees is what provides safety to a lot of people working in that business, em employees and clients, and part of that exactly. is 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 growth. When you when you have five people, and those five people are working in one client, how are you going to diversify that? How are you going to make sure that you know whatever split you have is going to be able to hold the you know everyone's salaries and every if if one of the clients disappears, it's it's a numbers game as well, right? The more the you know the the bigger the business is. The more clients you can serve, the less weight each client has in your portfolio, unless you don't pay attention to that and then deliberately, you know, suddenly one client becomes, you know, 90% of your of your revenue. Then you're probably doing something wrong. Like you're taking on more risk, but then that's a that's a decision that you're making, right? It's not a it's not something that you know that, that you can't it is something that you can avoid, but you're choosing not to or not to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that's, that's also a factor, no? Like how you decide to manage that risk 
of someone you know saying that they're leaving or uh, of a client saying that they're not going to work with you and part of that goes through having more capacity and being able to to do sometimes more than one thing no with the even with the same people sometimes uh, it's about having a bit of uh, of slack no people that are available so if something comes up then either it, whether it's growth or it is you know some risk that you need to mitigate you can dedicate that capacity to mitigate that risk there is there is another element to this as well so uh, for example besides the employees and, and clients uh, volatility if you like uh, so that's why you need to have your business to a certain size to so that clients and and, and individuals would not have a significant impact in the rest of the organization the market is evolving as well so there are new trends. Your competitors are offering new services. Your clients are becoming also more demand, uh, demanding as things evolve. So companies, in order to keep, sometimes just to keep the status quo, they need to be investing in new initiatives, in new technologies, in new products, just to keep it current. And some of those investments will not materialize. They will not survive. So, so companies are in this constant uh, evolution, knowing that some of those uh, initiatives, if you like, they will not uh, materialize as, as, as the thing for the future of the company. But they will need to do those things. And then if the company is, is stable, is healthy financially, they can take those people that were very creative, very good in what they do, but sometimes the business idea was not, is where things didn't go well. And then you can redirect that group of people to work in a different initiative, either in one of the core initiatives of the company or in a new uh, initiative, a new product, a new experiment and things like that. But if the situation of the, the, the financial situation of the company is constrained, you will not have that flexibility to try to create all those innovation or those initiatives, for example. And that's where you start cutting, not from your core business. This is actually a very interesting point, isn't it? Because like there is the growth aspect, which is, you know, you're seeing demand grow and you're kind of trying to grow alongside the demand. There is a kind of unbounded ambition as well, right? So if I... You know, like you look at a lot of these larger companies uh, like Google and Microsoft and Twitter and so on. Like when when the money really starts flowing, and I'm not just talking about revenue, I'm just talking about investment money, right? The sometimes ambitions start becoming unbounded as well. And so, so there is this kind of like supply demand, you know, whether you call it organic growth or not, it's, in, you know, it's perspective. But there is this kind of ambition that you have a lot of money, you have a lot to burn, and suddenly it yeah. creates this dynamic. This is, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a very good point, and and it could even give uh, make way, you know, for useless jobs, or even not not useless, but you know, people who get hired and now suddenly they need to justify that they are hired. Yeah, so then. They, they they start creating this work 
yeah that yeah. might not be that necessary or really contribute very very little and this is where things like you know people were amazed that uh you know twitter was still working after firing 3000 employees and basically halving or or more the uh, the whole employee count or the headcounts you need to ask yourself i mean there's probably people that were doing a very good job and they still got fired and all that stuff but you need to wonder it's not, but you know, it's how not much about, of how much of that was really essential for the business exactly. how much of that and, was but this mm, is i think a management well. problem not a people problem because regardless of who you hire uh and you can hire really really talented people but if there's too many people they're all producing right you know like uh, if you got a team of 5 versus a team of 50 and the work was for 5 people those 50 people, they're all going to produce, right? And w what's going to happen is that, and they all think that they're doing, you know, uh, they're kind of contributing. So no one well, produces without thinking You hope that, no, that people yeah. do want to do their jobs. Exactly. No, they're but not what just... you do is this, because well, there's, there are more people producing, you start, the scope naturally starts increasing. And you lose focus because they're all producing, they're creating features, they're writing code, they're creating backlogs, they're, you know, designing screens, they're doing analysis, all sorts of things, but more and more. And because there's more that can be done, suddenly the focus kind of target starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger, right? So then, then you start losing focus and in itself can be a very bad thing for, for, for a business. But what happens is that, you know, you you have this much money to burn. You hire this many people, thinking more people are always a good thing, and they're gonna do what they have been hired to do. They're gonna produce, and then and suddenly when when you when like the brakes are put on and you run out of money, right? You're gonna start losing people, and one is as good as the other in some ways because when the focus is no longer there, that's when you start then create arbitrary focus. And then whoever are the lucky ones who fall into that little circle remain and the others are, are left. And I think this is a this is irresponsible kind of management. This is like irresponsible business, basically. Yeah. So so I will I will bring a, a counterpoint that might not be so popular, right? Because like when when uh, but I think that is important to no, I think that is important to do a counterpoint because uh, for example. Uh, I don't, someone shared on Twitter um, in one of our threads that we would be talking about this topic, uh, a comment from uh, a guy that used to be the global HR for Microsoft. And he's just blaming uh, management for all the layoffs and stuff, right? And I felt that it was a very cheap uh, thing to do because everything in the company can be the, the senior management responsibility, everything that happens in there, including the creation of thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs. Because like, for example, it's, it's easy to blame the, the people, uh, the managers that, for example, for, okay, so Microsoft, uh, I don't know, laid off, I don't know exactly how many thousands, but th those many thousands were like, I don't know, a small percentage of the entire population. Of employees, that entire population didn't even exist if it was not 
also the management initiatives to try new products, try new initiatives, invest the money, try new things. And those things that they succeed, they increase, they created more and more jobs. And not, yes, they made mistakes. They might have overreached. Some of them, I would even say, as, as you said, Mesh, that, and I think that Jennifer uh, alluded to that as well, that sometimes they were a bit irresponsible. They may have invested in things that they shouldn't, or the, the, the risk was too big to take, and that impacted people's lives. But, but overall, when you take these very large organizations, they created businesses in the past 20 years, uh, some a bit older than that, some a bit newer than that, that today employ tens of thousands of people because of all those initiatives. And we need to remember that, yes, we lost a thousand people in a company, but they created 50,000 jobs mm -hmm. with the same I think I think it's, a, it's an important perspective uh, to take is that even from like what I said earlier, right? You know, pe people have been irresponsible in terms of, I've got lots of money to burn, I'm gonna create lots of jobs, right? On one end, it is irresponsible because it's actually irresponsible for the business itself, right? That's why when I was talking about irresponsibility, it's irresponsibility for the business because what normally happens is that this kind of uh, unbounded expenditure and, and unbounded growth without any real focus or purpose ends up killing the business, right? And we've, been, we've seen it ourselves in our own... Yeah lives like a few few people doing that but yes you can take that other perspective is that even through their responsibilities right irresponsibilities if you just purely look at from a circulation of money money going from corporate hands into the hands of the people and into their lives jobs that didn't exist a few that, years ago it's so so everything has that dual thing you know you have to kind of yeah totally you can't just look at it from one point of view yeah. But when I was saying actually irresponsible, I wasn't talking about irresponsible from a social responsibility perspective. No, I, I was talking I about irresponsible from a business perspective. Yeah. So no, no. Uh, yeah. So so because like uh, if you take the the jobs in IT, a lot of the jobs in IT, uh, they didn't exist 20 years ago. There are many people today that work in IT, not only developers but everyone in the IT industry working for IT companies. Those jobs didn't even exist. Those titles didn't exist. And, and for example, we are a tiny, well, compared to Microsoft and Google, right? So we are a much smaller organization. We are just over 200 people now. So for example, you know, like this is quite cool to, to share with people because like um, this maybe I hope that can be also a good message for people that unfortunately were made uh, redundant in, in this crisis. But like, I was made redundant before in 2009 in, in the, the, the crisis. And, 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 and this creates also opportunities. And for example, a lot of businesses, mainly in IT, the, in, the initial investment to start an IT business can be quite small depending on which business you are talking about. If you are going to a product, it will be far bigger investment. A service business is much cheaper to start. Kojunas started from Starbucks. So our initial investment was £2,000 to buy a laptop to one guy. So, so, so that is, I believe that, for example, for the amount of talented people that were unfortunately 
made redundant for the, the, the big techs and stuff, there's a huge opportunity because there's a lot of talented people that were made redundant for one reason or another. Because again, I was made redundant from a company. It was not my fault. They had to cut costs and I was on the bench. I was not in a project. Other people that I like to think that maybe I was a little bit potentially, uh, at least from my perspective of the world, maybe a little bit better than them. But they were bringing money to the company. At that point, they had to cut the people that were not bringing money to the company. And I was not in a project. So I was made redundant. And I never blamed that, that company. In fact, I came back and worked for them again a few years later. Because I understood that, that it was not their choice to make me redundant. So no one, in, 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 like, I don't know what kind of person you would need to say, look, I want to start firing a bunch of people. No one wants to do with their business. So right? one thing, it, it is, it was their choice. It was just not a personal uh, thing, right? Like it's, well, the, 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 decision, the decision. There's always a choice. No, there's <laughs> always a choice, but it's not as simple. But it's not as simple. I think that the, the not being personable is very important because when you go through layoffs, you cannot just, at least in the UK, because I went through that process myself, they cannot just say, you, you, and you, you are all, all out, and you all have the same title. In order to start making people redundant, at least in the UK, they need to have a very well-defined criteria because like if they have 10 people, all, let's say, software developers, and they need to, let's say, get rid of five for financial reasons, they cannot just point their fingers at random five and fire them. There is a very a procedure to do that. So I was caught in, in that process. So... Uh, but, but what I'm trying to say is that uh, there are also opportunities for people to start new business, to start new initiatives, to, to maybe like uh, look for something new or even to start find a, a different place as well. Because sometimes you're exactly. just comfortable where you are, and then you know when, things, sometimes... when something shakes the tree, you know, like oh, okay, so I think German. There makes a very good point. He says that you know bad managers put numbers over people. So in these massive layoffs that occurred, where they were they trying to balance the books for their personal gain instead of taking care of people. Now I think it's a very good point, and it goes back to full circle to the little story that you mentioned, Jose. Is that and in fact I'm reading a book at the moment called Built by Tony Fadal, who who's the invent uh, who kind of ran iPod div division for Apple and and founder for Nest. And it's a really good book. And it's this is the same thing that he talks about. Businesses will need to make layoffs for business reasons. It's how you do it that's important, right? And he talks about exactly this kind of thing. So these are people at the end of the day, right? And, and you need to treat them with respect. And if you can, you need to provide them with opportunities. So this company that is hired a company in order to find jobs for the people that they are laying off, that's the if you're gonna have if you have to do it and the choice that you made, that's the way to do it. Is that you know helping people find new jobs, find new careers, understanding their own personal where where they are as well, so that you can you can help them and create those kind of opportunities. Mm -hmm. It's that callousness that actually rakes, you know, because uh, and this is I'm sorry to say, but very common in like a lot of American businesses where they get a text message. And the doors are locked, so, and so, you know, or so get escorted. You find escorted out you've been from, fired because exactly, you, you, because, you, yeah. your exactly. car doesn't work. No, you're trying to get into the office. Yeah. 
Yeah, Although I, I'd say that Tony Fadel was also running an American business and he's talking about respect. So generalizing, but yes, you yeah. see it a lot of that, right? Because because this is the the, the thing. Uh, thanks, Jennifer. So, uh, but like uh, this is the thing that is very important. Uh, I think because I went through the process myself. So this is the company. Uh, if you want to know which company can, I'm sure you can go to through my LinkedIn profile and figure out which one it is. Because <laughs> there was just one company that I left and came back. Yeah. So so the the but I felt respected. It's a company that I really wanted to work for. So when I was looking for the job, I had just two companies in mind. I applied for both and I got a job in there. That's where I met Mesh and I met Akbar that also works for us today. And it's a company that I loved. I, I, I really wanted to be there and I did my best to work with that company. And unfortunately, we went through the credit crunch and they, and they had to make me redundant. And I felt, of course, I was hurt. But the way that they did, I felt that they, they respected me. They sat down with me. They explained the process to all of us. They gave us opportunities and they, they were fighting hard to find us a project until the last moment. And they cleared that they said, look, this is what they're trying to do. And, and, and the last two people to be made redundant, it was well, me and another guy. And there was just one job, one position with a client that they found. And I lost it in there because the guy was a principal. I was a... a I was more junior than him. So they took their best person to look after that client, which is also a friend of mine. So when I was uh, made redundant in that company, I felt respected. So because I understood their point, of course it sucked for me. And then what I did at the time, fortunately I had some reserves myself, because this is another thing that I would also recommend people like, uh, if you are in IT, like, Try to make sure that you, you run your personal lives as you run a business. You, you need to have a reserve. You cannot just start. No, the people in IT, they, we, we have, hopefully, you'll be able to save some money. Um, but and then I tried a business. So, so when, I was, was, when I was made redundant, in fact, I, I, unfortunately, Jennifer, I think she left. But I actually came back as a contractor for a period of time where I worked with Mesh again. Um, because they needed at some point they found more work and they they hired some of us back uh but then i was i, I was i was off and, and i tried my first startup which i failed miserably but then when after a year and then i was i had to, to look for a job again i called mesh mesh was still working for the same company say hey i need a job and mesh said that was a friday i would never forget that Mesh. i don't know if you remember but, but then uh, 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 Mesh was helping me with my first attempt to a business. And I called him on a Friday and said, look, I need to go back to work and, and earn some money. My business thing didn't work. And then he said, okay, so let me speak here. Don't do anything. Don't speak to anyone. Wait for me. So that was a Friday. He called me back later on the same day. And he said, like, you can start on Monday. And I joined the same company that made me redundant one year later. So, but there was a mutual respect in how they treated me. And, and I felt respected to the point that I could have chosen at that time to go somewhere else. It's not that I did not have options. I just called my friends first. And, and I wanted to go back to where I was. And I did. And I spent another two years in there. So, so what I'm saying is that 
I, I yes, you you might blame the the, the company or, or the stuff, but but there is I think that the way that things are done, I, I would feel potentially disrespected if I just receive like a very impersonal message and say, hey, by the way, your uh, your login was canceled and your accounts were canceled and. You will speak to someone, someone from HR. Will you, someone later. will escort you to the to sort to your, out your yeah exactly yeah. the details. Uh, that, no, no, that, that's that, a, that's a very yeah. good point because there are many tools that a business has before doing lay layoffs. No, uh, um, in Spain, you know, uh, that all all this thing uh, is is part of that. No, uh, so if you're not going to find there are other uh, other ways of of dealing with that as as a business but again it's also a choice no on for people whether they want to get their pay uh, reduced or not and and so on it's it's kind of like then you decide what what you want to do but um i i remember a few years back i went to one of these agile conferences here in spain And uh, I don't know if you know uh, Grupo Mondragon in, in Spain. Which one? Sorry, say it again. M Mondragon. No. So, so these guys are uh, una cooperativa, no? Like a yeah, a co-op. Yeah, a co-op. Yeah. Um, but they basically run a bunch of businesses, uh, and they do it. You know, they they have kind of a a system where. Uh, they decisions like this, they bring to the people. Basically, these are the options that we have. We don't have enough money to do X, Y, Z. We would need to, um, you know, cut spending in in X amount. This is how we're proposing to do this. What do you think? Are you okay with that? Would you like to, you know, are you okay with taking a pay cut, et cetera, et cetera? And they do this. Uh, I wouldn't say it's like super democratic, although it's very democratic in the sense that. People are involved in the decisions and so on, but uh, but he was explaining the process and a lot of the times they managed to get businesses, you know, turn around those businesses and and make them thrive because of how they go about facing those situations, right? And uh, and I think that's quite important. No, a lot of the times those decisions are made, uh, I wouldn't say in isolation, but without involving people, especially when it's something massive no uh in that sense so yeah. so definitely the how is is very important and yeah. again for me this this example was quite uh the the story that i uh, that i mentioned at the beginning mm -hmm. is completely new no like yeah. i've never seen a company do that basically yeah. so it surprised me positively yeah and then for me like uh for people watching uh this episode uh so it's always important i think that just i uh, was just exchanging a message now just now with helder um so first of all you as a as a as a, as a professional as an individual you never know what's going to happen with the company that you work for right so so and this is valid for everyone including the owners of that company right for so any professional so nurture your professional network Make sure that you do a good job for whoever you work with, right? So be a good professional, do your job well, keep those connections because we never know what's going to happen next. One day everything is cool, next day it's not. And it's always uh, quite, um, 
how can I say, it, it gives you a lot of, uh, co not confidence, it's not the word that I'm looking for, but for example, it makes it much easier for me knowing that I had friends, knowing that I worked with places that I could uh, either back to the companies that I worked for or people that I worked with that back then were now working with other companies. But having that, that confidence that I could pick up the phone and call a few people. So I mean, it's that hopefully, like, for example, if I lower my expectations, I would get a job easily. This is very important. So as an individual, this is, I think, that everyone should do. Be a good... Gives you peace of mind. It would also give exactly. you peace of mind because of the security, the security that people think they have with a job is, you know, it's an ideal. <laughs> it's a, it's a, the security you, you have think you it's as a good, good story. It, it right? holds for many cases, exactly. but it's not necessarily uh, yeah. true 100%. This, like, this could be another fireside chat. It's like, you know, the benefits of building your personal networks. Yeah, uh, that could yeah. be a quite cool one. Yeah. How and why? Yeah. And with that in mind, I think we're on the eight minute mark past <laughs> the hour. So somebody wants to bring in a new topic or should we, <laughs> should we start closing? Uh, any final words? Close. Any final words to close this episode? Well, so, so I think that this is the, the last thing that I, we mentioned is probably how I would like to end. So make sure that you keep your connections, build good relationships with, with people, be as best as you can be as a professional And and then hopefully, like for example, when unfortunate things out of your control happen, and again, don't think that companies are the vast majority of the companies are doing that on purpose because it's detrimental to any company to go through that process. No one in their right mindset say, "Hey, I'm going to start firing people from my company," right? So so that's not how you run a business. So so there are things that might go might not be within your control, but what is in your control is be as good as you can be, be nice to people, nurture a good professional network, and then you will probably be less uh, impacted when something like that happens. You, or you'll be able to recover very quickly, let's say. Mm -hmm. yeah. From, uh, from, uh, yeah, from from my point of view, I think from businesses, you know, Overextending is easily done and it's easy to kind of look at it in hindsight and say you overextend it, but still managers, is their responsibility, is their burden to carry. And so always be careful on when you have a lot of money to burn that, you know, are you just burning money and that actually can have a detrimental impact in your business. But I think the more important part is that when you do have to make layoffs and for business leaders, this is this, this happens and it will then that you treat people as humans and you know you are respectful and you are you help them in any way that you can so that they they move on to their you know their next opportunity in the easiest possible way and that they leave your company with a with a good taste and and with and feeling like as Sandra was saying that they've been respected and that you know if you if if you ever need them and you you know or they need you that they feel like that they can come back as well and that actually creates a more sustainable business you can't avoid layoffs but it is uh, you have the option on how how best to do it 
Well, I I second both <laughs> final thoughts, right? And I guess I, I'll just throw in, um, if you look up uh, for the CAS conference in Spain, if you speak Spanish, by the way, um, a, a talk by Coldo Sarachaga, uh, who's part of the Mondragon group, and he where he explains a lot of how they basically run their companies uh, in a way that it's, more humane as well and and all this stuff i think that would be an interesting uh insight now if you're not familiar with how they do these things because it gives you as as we were saying there's always options no how you choose to do things and how you treat people is is very important so yeah good to understand what those options are as well and what what can be done so yeah so i'll probably put the link somewhere later on um okay so this is the end for today's session uh, if you stay with us all this time and you're new and you liked uh, what we uh, what we discussed uh like subscribe uh, hit the notification button uh so that you get notified when we're starting all the streams we normally do this on tuesdays uh, around the same time so you're more than welcome to join and participate in the conversation it always makes it great it, it enriches us very much like it did today so thank you for that thank you everyone who participated and see you again on the next one thank you all thank you, thank you.